For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of team directors, choreographers, current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Welcome to the fifth season of the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is Makiba. I've missed you guys. It's been three long behind months, and I have a little bit of an announcement to share with you all. Um, Brittany and I talked and decided over the break that uh, we wouldn't be moving forward with the, doing the podcast together. Of course, we're still friends and no love lost, but you know the podcast will be going in a little bit of a different direction, and it will be the same show, but same content of you know all of the stuff that's going on in our space and interviewing amazing people, and we'll be having guest co-hosts. And the very first guest co-host that I'm super, super excited to introduce you all to is Kayla. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, thank you so much for joining me. Let me give you guys a little bit of a breakdown on Kayla. She is a former Gold Rush cheerleader for the San Francisco 49ers, and she was a captain for two years. She's a dance instructor in the Bay Area. I don't know which actual city you're living in down there. Where do you live? I live in Redwood City. Redwood City. Okay. Kayla reached out to the podcast and mentioned some amazing research that she was doing for her dissertation. I'm saying it like she's not sitting here, (laughs) but you studied sports psychology in school. Let's just go there. Started with psychology, focus on sports psychology for your master's, and now you're earning your PhD and are doing your dissertation on what exactly? My dissertation is on how retired professional cheerleaders adjust to retirement. Boom. So (laughs) a huge, huge topic. And so I just thought we are absolutely having an interview about this topic. Um, It's that time of year. As you all know, we've had, you know, the Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl, and a lot of these decisions around retirement are happening for girls. And I think it's just an excellent timing to dig into it. But Kayla has offered to be a co-host for the day, which means she's taking the whole damn ride with us, uh, including your chat including Locker Talk and um, sharing some of the results of her research with us, which I just think is just, like I said, such a dope topic and deep topic. And I'm going to try not to even cry thinking about just everything. It's a big deal for us and how we process retirement, right? So we're going to dig into that. But first, we got to do cheer chat. So Kayla, are you ready? I'm ready, girl. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So before it gets old and crusty, we have this. Right. We had the Super Bowl. And Kayla, you went to the Super Bowl, right? With the 49ers? Yes, my rookie season on the team. Okay. What year was that again? Because that was... I remember it was... My rookie year was 2012. So all I know was the Harbaugh Bowl. 
and we played the Ravens, and there's that blackout. Do you remember in the stadium? Yes, yes. yes. Were you freaking out and thinking that you guys were getting, like, I don't know, not attacked or something? But was it scary or was it just kind of weird? I was just a little concerned, but I know I'm very spiritual too. So I was like, maybe this is a sign from the universe. Maybe they're trying to give the 49ers some extra time. But. The 49ers unfortunately couldn't pull it off for the Super Bowl this time either. I know. And I just be honest, I kind of wasn't really rooting for you guys. It's okay. We were on the Seahawks, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. okay. Yeah. I mean, you understand that. Correct. Okay, you understand. I don't feel so bad. But um, it was a good game, though. I mean, I, I would have been happy either way. You guys got our guy, Richard Sherman. So I was going to, like, be okay if you guys won. But crazy game. It is game. so weird seeing him in a Niner uniform. Isn't it nuts? I can't. I mean, I, I've gotten used to it, but it's really – you guys rip my heart out when you beat us. I'm not over it. <laughs> not over it at all. But anyway, what did you think of the halftime performance? For the Super Bowl or my rookie year? Who who performed during your rookie year? Beyonce and Destiny. Oh, snap. Are you serious? Okay. That was a huge one. I know. (laughs) Okay, that would have made my whole life better. Uh My childhood dreams definitely came true. Because it was like Beyonce performing at first, which is awesome. Yeah. Destiny's child like pop up out of nowhere from the ground. (laughs) I was crying. Were you able to be on the field? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Our first year going to the Super Bowl, it was Bruno Mars, but we were in the locker room. So I was not happy about that. And then the, the second time when it was Katy Perry, you know, we got to be on the sidelines. So we at least got to see the show. So you actually were out there on the field. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I can't even. Okay. Save that for locker talk. I want to hear yes. more Super Bowl stuff. But uh, because this Super Bowl, it should not have been controversial, but let's be real. there's been a lot of talk and I went off on Twitter about it. But <laughs> um, keep his little cheer rants and raves and stuff. But um, what did you think of the actual Super Bowl performance with Shakira and J-Lo? I loved it. I was screaming mm-hmm. in a good way. <laughs> I was just like, yes, girl. I loved it. I mean, I can see the controversy of her dancing on a pole or, you know, some people felt a certain way about that. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, my my take on it was I felt like she was just really tapping into her divine feminine power and Mm -hmm. her sensuality. And she was very confident. And I think there's something so beautiful about a woman being so confident in her own skin and who she is as a person. I think that just radiated on the stage and so that's what I saw that's what I was rooting for and I loved that no well said like I'm all for it I mean I know that the camera didn't catch every angle of like the girls who were like hanging off the stage or something and their legs were opening like watch back I was like before I go off real quick let me see if it was something that was really that bad and I don't think you know the camera like I said caught everything about the performance that might have seemed provocative but that wasn't even like a stripper pole, you know, performance that, mm-hmm. you know, anybody needs to get up in arms about. I just think she, she twirled around the pole and she did right. like lift with her leg and, you know, like whatever, like just. Right. Whatever. Yeah, it was definitely disappointing. I, I wasn't even anticipating that people were going to be oh, like, wow. you know, I watched it. I enjoyed it. I thought Shakira was amazing, too. There were just so many dancers and like the Instagram feed was just like all over the place with people that, you know, we follow that were posting about performing in the halftime show. So I just was super excited for everybody. There were so many dancers that got to live their dreams out, you know, performing with them. And then 
you know, the next day and all week long, it's just been how inappropriate it was for kids. They even had kids in the dang on Super Bowl show and it's still inappropriate <laughs> for kids. I'm like, come on, stop. I read this really fascinating article about, because moms are like, what do I tell my kids when they saw the Super Bowl performance? And someone responded and said, you tell them that J-Lo must have worked her butt off fitness wise and like to have enough mental strength and physical strength to train herself for that performance and to present herself the way she did with so much confidence at 50 plus years old like right right? Right. like you know as a parent too I just think it's really bizarre to me when people are like oh god thank god my young children weren't in the room or what do I say (laughs) to my kids and it's just like women's bodies are beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. What you say to them, you say, look at how strong she must be. And right. look how, how long she's been dancing. Look right. at how synchronized mm-hmm. everything is, how much these guys mm-hmm. have been practicing together. I mean, it's, it's not complicated and it's age appropriate. The conversation you have with your kids, you know, if they seem to have reacted to seeing something that they thought was sexy, I mean, kids are smart, you know, they might feel uncomfortable if they do. And mm-hmm. you pick up on that, then you can actually have a conversation about what it means to be sexy or, and, but you never really shaming anybody for being Mm -hmm. they are, or it's just, Mm -hmm. it's mind boggling why it's this damn difficult for people to have (laughs) conversations with their kids about women, women's Mm -hmm. bodies, women's choices, our rights. You know, it's interesting too. I read another article. Someone said like, well, what's the difference between like professional cheerleaders dancing on the field? Oh yeah. That's why I got, that's actually when I lost my mind and ended up going on my cheer because we got dragged into it. Like what's the difference between what they wear right. and uh, what they, you know, Shakira and JLo were wearing and what we wear on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you think of that? I don't know. It's all about perspective, you know? So it's like, and I just question like, well, what's the real issue then? Is it ageism? Mm -hmm. she's older and you think that she needs to present herself as a certain way and usually professional cheerleaders are younger and they're allowed to wear more clothes i mean did you see the headline where this guy i don't know some evangelist was like i'm gonna sue the nfl for uh tempting me to spiritual damnation or i don't know like people are off the hook with (laughs) with their bs around all of this but yeah, something that was a huge celebration of Latina culture and right. just like on mm-hmm. so many levels. It was just dope. I thought it was amazing. Right. I was hyped and that's pretty much why I was watching, right? And to see any glimpse of cheerleaders out there. Uh-huh. And it was an exciting journey for both the Gold Rush and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh-huh. So props to them for living their best life in freaking Miami of all places. Uh-huh. I mean, hello. I mean, it just can't get much better than that. Obviously, the Super Bowl in Miami is going to be like beyond fabulous. It was an interesting Super Bowl to watch. Good game. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into your Super Bowl memories as a 45 years for Locker Talk. But I'm super excited to get into your research. So we're just going to segue because I think you know, when I went down a promo, like I said, you know, you, mm-hmm. I'm reading articles of girls that are deciding to retire because they basically reached the, you know, the top of the, mm-hmm. the ultimate, you know, to be a Pro Bowl cheerleader for NFL cheerleaders, especially is huge. And then, you know, they kind of go out on top and they retire and then right. other people just, you know, at the end of the football season are processing like, uh, you know, do I really want to do this again? Or they know that they don't want to do it again. So they may make a decision about it. Mm-hmm. And then we're coming up on auditions, right? Where it's going to be, you know, auditions and cuts made and where some people are either having to decide whether to retire because they've been cut or deciding whether to go back out and audition. So 
this is a huge decision for a lot of us in this space. And so I can't not wait to talk about what, how did you end up deciding to choose this topic for your dissertation? So the whole time I was on Gold Rush, I was in the doctorate program. And at the time, I didn't know what topic I wanted to do at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a rookie on a team, you do a lot of observing, right? You're trying to learn the ways. And so through my observation, I kind of noticed in my second year when a lot of the retired vets would come around, I just started noticing something psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that no one else was really seeing it in the larger world. And I felt like this is a totally overlooked population that people just need to know. Because um, obviously, what were some of the things that you were like noticing about the vets? I was noticing like eating disorder habit, um, depression, or anxiety, or just a loss of identity and not knowing who they are without pom poms. And mm-hmm. you know, you get there's just different types of girls on the team. You know, some girls don't go to school, or some like work full time, and then it's if you're not really focusing on your craft within the craft you know it's like gold rush or these professional teams it's a craft right right but it's really important to also be working on another craft because if you're not what's happening is these girls are getting off of the team whether they get cut or they feel like they're pushed out for whatever reason or they decide to retire and then it's kind of like and you'll and I'll explain that in my dissertation too it's just like this oh crap now what kind of thing what I do you know like I'm not on the schedule anymore I have more free time like what I have to go to work I have to apply to jobs it's just it's different Mm -hmm. and there definitely are effects that hopefully I won't treat this like my own counseling session but um, (laughs) but it definitely you know when we chatted you know Mm -hmm. just the idea of it like it got pretty emotional even for the two of us you know and when I look back at my year off the team, there were definitely, it was a rough ass year. I I cannot front. There's a lot to it. So, I mean, it's, it's great that you found this population worthy of kind of highlighting because I think we're very similar to pro athletes in a way. I think a lot of, you know, professional athletes that retire and face that decision off, it's probably just as heavy and weighted and then also has negative. I mean, look at what freaking, what's his face? Antonio from the Steelers? Like, Tony mm-hmm. Brown, I mean, right. I think he's going through all kinds of stuff because yeah. he does not know what to do with himself right. yeah. without football. And he's definitely got some destructive... I'm tr- trying to sound like I'm some psychology person. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me quit front. No. Um, but I can see that athletes go through the same thing. But I think what you're talking about for us is probably there are some things that make it kind of unique to... Were any of your professors kind of surprised by the topic at all? Or they knew that you danced, so maybe not. You're advised for your dissertation topic to not pick something that hits too hard home for you. Oh, really? You don't, yeah, because you want to not have a bias or you kind of want to be somewhat detached. For me, I wanted to pick something that I was so passionate about and that was close home to me. So that way I have passion behind the keyboard. Totally. So you made the decision to pick this topic and you were in what year with the gold rush oh i think it was my second year on the team okay so so actively doing it Mm -hmm. so i was progressively doing it over the course of like three years or so three or four years 
So kind of like each quarter you focus on something different. So I was working on my introduction section for like probably a year or so. Um, and then the year that I had to actually conduct data and do these structured interviews with retired professional cheerleaders was the year that I got cut from the team for my wow. audition for my seventh season. And I got cut from the team at prelims. And I never thought that the year I got cut from the team was the year I would be a part of my study population. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like even more probably like advice for me to not go through with the dissertation because I'm trying to go through my own healing and grieving process. And yet I have to kind of present as a strong, stable base for mm-hmm. all of my participants. Yeah. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And obviously I felt lost, you know, I mean, it's like being on the team was a part of my life. I got on the team when I was 18, 19 years old and I grew up there, but I found so much beauty in it. And I realized it was one of the biggest blessings and gifts that I've ever received because I was able to have a different lens Mm -hmm. in my dissertation. I was able to observe and be really self-reflective and self-aware of my own internal process. And it allowed me to kind of like peep around the corner and see maybe a hidden edge that I wouldn't be able to if I wasn't cut from the team. From the team. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm processing all of that. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you cheered six seasons mm-hmm. um, consecutively. Mm-hmm. Obviously a respected leader on the team. You were captain. Yeah. Um, I was surprised vets have to participate in like every single round of the auditions process. Usually, well, Seahawks would have it where, you know, the vets were able to come in later in different rounds, but to have, you know, a cut that early, obviously Mm -hmm. it's just been a shock to the system. I'm sure it was surprising, but did you have any conversation or understanding as to like why the cut happened? So this, I was thinking of two things, like, So first of all, the day I got cut, I remember just sitting there and I felt very numb. And that was the first time I experienced psychological numbness. And, you know, I read about it all the time, but like I actually got to experience that. And I'm actually really thankful that I got to feel that. Mm -hmm. It allows me to empathize with my clients more. But I literally envisioned myself taking two paths. Either I can take this uh, depressed route and kind of just keep going down that or I can just, you know, pick myself up and keep going and kind of view this as like, you know, my whole foundation just got shook up and I can, you know, have my own power and laying down my own bricks and my own new foundation. And who is Kayla? What do I like to do? And thankfully, that's the path that I chose. But yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was just really, really hard. Wow. Let's get into your research, whatever you want to share. I just think it's super interesting, and I'm curious mm-hmm. what your findings were. So when you were interviewing participants, who was your audience? Like, were you talking to NFL, NBA? Mm-hmm. What age range, roughly? Like, who were you talking to? So I interviewed 15 women all across the NFL. The girls that I did interview from the NBA also did NFL as well. Okay. okay. So that was really cool. And I was excited to like interview them because I kind of got the best of both worlds and kind of got insight. But yeah, this is from girls all over in the NFL. And I really tried to branch out and not only stick to one team. Mm-hmm. And 
then I had about six interview questions that were set and predetermined by my dissertation chair, myself, and I pretty much just asked these girls these six questions and they could answer them however they wanted to. And I have a list here of some of the things that I am like, so. what do you want to tell us? Because all you know, <laughs> I asked a million questions, uh, the little lawyer and me, but um, I'm dying to know like what the questions were. Because yeah. maybe there are questions that people who are processing retirement or still struggling through it maybe can just think of those questions for themselves to, you know, give themselves some space and time to see if it helps figure out how they feel. I didn't write them down, but I do have one that I know that okay. I really. I know that my last question was, what advice would you give to current active professional cheerleaders? Mm -hmm. Which was like beautiful and pretty much everyone said to really make sure you fill fill your free time with things Uh, because you're going to have a lot of free time and you're going to have a new schedule. And so come up with something that still like you're passionate about, something that makes you feel happy and positive and basically find a new purpose and it doesn't have to be brand new I mean you can still be a dance teacher or and Mm -hmm. that was the other advice they said to keep dancing and don't think that because you stopped your professional career that you have to stop dance altogether got it that was like really beautiful to hear yeah the number one thing that like I didn't I didn't think was going to come up I didn't even think about it but pretty much every single person Mm -hmm. said that they place an importance on finding the motivation to work out in retirement. Like, Ooh, say that. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the right there. What did they say? <laughs> trying to find the motivation to work out again. So pretty much everyone was saying that when you're on the team, Obviously, like, you're going to be in a two-piece all the time. Mm-hmm. And you've brought thousands of fans. And so, you know, you're working out all the time. And it's almost like these girls experience burnout for one, but also, like, a form of resistance. Or it's almost like, I don't know, if re- not retaliation, but it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's like, F this. I don't have to do this shit anymore. <laughs> I think that's what... That's what I'm thinking in my head. That's this. <laughs> I'll say it for you. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> so pretty much like my coaches made, you know, I mean, not make me, but they stress the importance of everybody needs to really work out in health and fitness. And now they're like, wow, I don't have anyone telling me to do that anymore. Or I don't have any, you know, outside influence or motivation to keep it up. So what's the point in doing it? That is so real. It's interesting that it almost comes up in this kind of like, like you said, retaliatory or like rebellious way, because Mm -hmm. it's really, you just feel like there were so many expectations put on you you, and some that were super freaking unreasonable at times. And yeah. And and just rules in general that Mm -hmm. once you are free from it, it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to do that anymore. And I think you kind of wild out a little bit after, I mean, (laughs) you're just sort of like, I mean, I'm eating what I want to, you know, the holidays come and you're just like, I don't, I mean, my family even says it to me, well, you don't have to care anymore. You can eat that whole freaking, you know, plate of food and go get some more and I have to think about it. But you definitely are feeling, I can relate to like this feeling of why am I even going to bother? I don't have to anymore. Right. Um, 
And once you get through that, like you, I mean, what they're saying is like, how do you build back up to giving a shit Mm -hmm. again? (laughs) You know what I mean? To where you want to work out and not, and kind of rein in some of that, maybe not reckless behavior, but I pretty much didn't work out for, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) two years. (laughs) I mean, you just kind of, and you see obviously what happens to your body from not, from having so much physical activity, Mm -hmm. you know such a rigid schedule of dancing and practicing and working out like sometimes dancing would be the workout but but man when you just do a cold stop and then just are like I ain't doing it I ain't gotta do it and then Mm -hmm. body's like okay well this is how this works you know yeah interesting so there's a double-edged sword with that too because the other piece that came out with you know not having motivation to work out is that these retired cheerleaders are mourning the loss of their active cheerleader body. Literally like a grief, like mourning, like, ah, you know, and they're looking at pictures and their family members, like, why don't you look like this anymore? And it's almost like you feel like you have to keep up with this past yeah. image and identity that isn't necessarily realistic. It was not realistic at all anymore. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, cause that was, a point in time in your life and it's that's also what keeps retired cheerleaders from working out because it's like that almost like energetically physical heaviness of I'm depressed and I'm sad that I don't look like that anymore mm-hmm. and now my self-confidence is taking a toll because now everybody knows that I don't look like that anymore right oh my gosh the things that you're saying are so um heavy not heavy but it's just like Mm-hmm. it's one little statement and it means so much, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like when you talk about your image and, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has their like throwback Thursday post or whatever. I- you're like, <laughs> and I'm like, I remember sitting there sometimes like, should I post this one? Cause I, just, like, <laughs> right. Just like putting it on blast. Like what I, I used know. to look like that I absolutely don't look like anymore. I mean, I gosh. And you know, and it, that's just a very real thing when you, no, you don't reflect that anymore. And maybe it's all in our heads, you know, um, how we're, how we're perceived, but you never want to feel like you're saying like, I used to be an NFL cheerleader and people would be like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Just based on your (laughs) (laughs) appearance or whatever and weight or whatever it might be. And Mm -hmm. that's a lot of weight to carry around with you mentally to feel like there's some Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, not it's mourning and maybe even shame that you're feeling because you don't look yeah. like you did when you were wearing that mm-hmm. two piece all the time. And that's, mm-hmm. that's an, it's an unfair amount of weight to put on ourselves, but I know we do. I mean, I do or did. I mean, I, I waver back and forth in right. it because, you know, I know I've probably talked about it on another episode, but it's just probably our body image episode. Um, but it's like, I've, I've accepted that I'm not going to be in my seagull body anymore. Um, I look at pictures and I'm like, damn, I was skinny. I don't want that body back. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like it's somewhere in the middle, right. Mm -hmm. Of like, maybe not, you know, doing the most like I have been over the past however many years, (laughs) (laughs) but also like not necessarily at this tip top shape that's representative of what you need to do if you're going to be doing our our sport or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it our profession but it it really was finding my way of being okay with where I'm at and it was not easy because you feel like you still should represent that at all times right and you said something important about like how you waver back and forth Mm -hmm. if you 
if you think about it, and I've experienced this too, there's no time to be wavering when you're on a professional team. Oh, you no. Know? And Wait it's only like, or wavering. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> like sometimes I'd be wavering too much when the holiday cookies would be coming around, you know, on the team. And it's like, no, that you can't do that because you have an image to uphold. And so the biggest struggle for a lot of girls and even myself is just the natural human experience that comes with your body is going to waver. Like one week you're going to feel great or not look great. And that's just the human experience. You just got to roll with it. But it's like breaking that mental conditioning and that mental habit to even saying it's okay. It's okay to waver. Right. Yeah. Or it's okay to be, yes, just that. that it's okay. Because right. like, I think the whole time, not the whole time. I mean, you know, every team is different, right? But right. like for the most part, when you're on a pro, pro cheerleading team, you are somehow in some way told that your body in its existing state mm-hmm. is good enough or not good enough, right? I think mm-hmm. it's very directly communicated or indirectly communicated to you mm-hmm. when your body's not right. So mm-hmm. when you you're rarely telling yourself that the way that you look is okay and appropriate. I mean, you know, when you look good, you know, you have your moments where you're like, I'm feeling myself. I look good. I know I look good. But I think subconsciously, especially when you're on the team, you're always questioning whether you look good enough in uniform. Mm -hmm. And so to be in a space where your day-to-day experience, having to look at yourself in the mirror or whether you're getting on a scale or not and being like, Mm -hmm. where I'm at right now is okay is a hard Mm -hmm. space to get to for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Hell it is because <laughs> I mean, this truth behind the palms kind of thing. It's just in my mind, I think I always had like, okay, that's the seagull body. Now right. that I'm like done with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I saw my body naturally wanted to gain 10 pounds. Like I just, right. without trying, without doing anything. And it's not like I was always getting on the scale, but it was like, mm-hmm. okay, I keep hovering around this little weight. So mm-hmm. I think maybe that's what my body just wants to right. do. Like, okay. Boom. We did that. We figured out what my new happy normal is. And it wasn't bad. I was like, okay, I'm all right with that. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, if it gets to a point where, you know, I'm out of that happy normal phase at the moment and it's something (laughs) I'm just trying to like, (laughs) not make this about me and weight or anything like that. But it's just, again, it's this process of talking to yourself and still being okay. You know, like it's not where I want to necessarily be or stay, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's, you're just, you're really having to recondition the way you think about your body like seriously even if you do have the realization that maybe you're not where you want to be it's still being loving to yourself and saying it's okay to you're fine you know you're still beautiful Mm -hmm. things may not fit the way you want them to Mm -hmm. maybe I don't need to go buy in some extra sizes up maybe I just need to you know it's just making decisions and choices that you're going to take care of yourself without Mm -hmm. beating yourself up over the fact that you're not what you used to be I think retirement messes with our heads in that way for sure oh for sure and I think that any retired professional cheerleaders listening I think like the best way to kind of get out of that slump of lack of motivation is you know just kind of be like okay I want to go to the gym and do some form of physical activity four times a week you know and it's it's just that's just the goal you know it's like you kind of get stressed out you're like oh I need to run a mile in seven minutes because that's what I used to do when I was on the team and you know it's kind of the numbers of things can stress you out yeah like sometimes I'm like I'm gonna go do weight training and lift some weights two days a week and then four days I'm just gonna run whatever that means for me that day 
That's how you just kind of stay present. Yeah. Not that my little mouth will help anybody, but (laughs) (laughs) what I decided to do, and I know I fell off a little bit in January, um, but I just, and I was beating myself up two weeks right around the Pro Bowl and traveling and stuff. And Mm -hmm. but because I'm not the gym person, I said, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and try to find a dance class or try to find a gym, like this whole, like get out there and do something. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to commit to doing something in my whole damn house that I know I can be any excuses to do or not do. It's just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get up and do planks. I downloaded yeah. some little plank app on my phone right. and I just, the consistency of just trying to do that every morning mm-hmm. um, right. and feeling good because I freaking I mean, I literally am like a kid. I star my calendar in my room. <laughs> but, it's like, but it would just, it became a motivator. And even though I fell off for two weeks, like I was like, damn, the app will send you like a notification too. Like you haven't done anything, but mm-hmm. it definitely, I just started back up this week. And, yeah. but it's really just like, like you said, it's just, it's just that one initial step of just like, I'm going to just do this one thing. And, it, and I think that's, it just snowballs into something where you're actually making right. progress, I guess, towards that right. goal. Because it's from, it's hard to go from doing nothing to doing something, mm-hmm. but it literally starts with just that one, yeah. one decision of like, I'm going to, like you said, whether, whatever it might mean, mm-hmm. just deciding you're going to do it. Right. And I think showing yourself gratitude is the biggest thing. There's a lot of studies right now. The brain lights up when you give yourself gratitude. Mm. Uh, like the other day I didn't want to go write an essay and I've been putting it off and putting it off but the moment I even drove when I was driving to the cafe I was like wow I'm so proud of myself that I'm even driving to the cafe right now and then I like walked up and sat down well I'm so glad I just sat down and opened up my computer I'm so thankful and then before you know it I'm typing up this whole thing so it's like people can do that for even like setting an alarm to work out you know, I'm like, I'm so thankful I did that. Wow. You know, like just any little thing. And also, you know, if you're going to work out just because for me, like I'm, I'm a therapist, right? So I'm taking care of other people all day. So I view working out in the morning as me taking care of myself and filling my own cup up. Mm-hmm. So that way I can be a vessel and better, you know, use of my energy to other people. Right. Awesome. What else was up in that notes that you were looking at? <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> Last uh, pretty much every single person so that when they retire, they have this life assessment of asking themselves, who am I? Mm-hmm. So a really big identity thing. And a lot of people feel very lost when they um, retire at first. And so like for me, I felt that as well you know I thankfully have you know sassy hip-hop my dance business and I have like you know my degrees and stuff but mm-hmm. it was still like I had to ask myself what what did I like to do for fun before gold rush and I did not have an answer like I didn't know what that was and so what I started doing was you know every Saturday when I would normally be at a gold rush rehearsal for seven hours Every Saturday, I would dedicate myself to doing something that I really enjoyed doing in my childhood or something that I really enjoyed doing before the team. So that was a different thing. Sometimes I was swimming, playing basketball, painting, and it was like I was doing my own therapy and getting closer and closer to my true identity 
and really just building my new foundation for myself. Mm. So question, I guess, because of all of the information that you're getting from talking to people, Mm -hmm. because you are a therapist, is it that you're just getting the information, but not actually like, not coaching them along, but like, you're not trying to help them with what they're experiencing no. talking about. You're just listening and taking it in. Yes. It oh, so hard. Hard. <laughs> and like, I would tell them before the interview, I'm like, just, you know, like if I'm a little quiet or if I, I'm just literally there to be like, okay, and take the information in or I may ask a question to maybe spark something a little bit more, but that's it. And so my dissertation, mm-hmm. I have a whole discussion section or like right now I'm able to kind of like, share the pieces and the connections, but I could not do that. No therapy. Even if like deep down, I'd be like, yes, girl, I relate to you. I know. And you couldn't say that. I couldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) As you're sharing it with me, all I want to do is like chime in, chime in. Well, I was going through this and this and this, like that would be so hard. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. So the loss of identity part. Mm -hmm. Um, in talking to your participants, did you find that people were reflecting on where they were or still struggling with the things that came out? I say both. Mm. Some, I think a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people were stuck. And there are some people, I feel like some people are still, they're coming out of the shadows a little bit and they're starting to see the light. Um, and there's some people who are just off, you know, live in new career, move new state and, you know, everybody's different. And that's what's so beautiful about the dissertation is everyone's retirement experience is so different. Mm-hmm. It's so, so different. You know, I think it depends on like the re- rewards or recognitions you received on the team or. Right. Like if you got to go out on the high note, <laughs> Pro Bowl, right. probably doing all right. No, no <laughs> But even with that, it's so interesting. Like, there's kind of like this norm in the professional cheer community, and maybe it's just maybe it's just me. But I think that there's this experience of okay, you went to Pro Bowl, which means you probably got most valuable cheerleader, which probably means you know you got other rewards too. Now you should retire. It's kind of like the community pushing this person out, and but what happens if they're not ready to retire? <laughs> Yeah. And now you're struggling in retirement because you felt forced to retire, even though no one may have said anything, but you know. Oh, right. After studying the girls and promoting the Pro Bowl cheerleaders um, Mm -hmm. this year and last year, sometimes it's like sixth year vet, seventh year vet, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of fifth year vets, you know, Mm -hmm. a few, you know, one rookie, a couple second or third year, but it's really the more senior you are, it seems to be the trend, right? Mm-hmm. That they're the ones that are selected for Pro Bowl. But again, like you said, what if they don't, mm-hmm. there is an unspoken, not rule, but understanding that like you might just not come back after Pro Bowl because what more can you do and achieve at that point? And right. I don't know, that's, I, I never would have really thought about that for people who may have given into that, even though they didn't mm-hmm. feel ready for it. And that's unfair, you know. I know. So sad. And no one's like trying to do that to people. It's just the norm. And it's like, well, what does it mean for that Pro Bowl cheerleader to come back and audition that year? Like, well, because some people are like, girl, bye. Like, go away. Because, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we know how like audition season is. Everybody does right. the math of like who's coming right. back and like, <laughs> like 
guesstimate, like, okay, we, there's 40 spots. And totally. One's not coming back, so not. So that leaves at least, you know what I mean? Everybody's doing the math in their head. Right. Um, and they're also thinking, like, I mean, it, it's not that it's obnoxious or anything, but I could see people probably feeling like, okay, she did five years, she got Pro Bowl, like, right. why is she at auditions? Like, because <laughs> you know I mean? you're... <laughs> That's one spot, okay? You know, that's right. Is gonna get picked for the team right. again more than likely. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely like a a vibe that you get that you know people are happy to have you around, but they also would have been happy if you retired. I know, <laughs> like one less. That's so it sounds so cutthroat, but it's just the reality. There's not a lot of spots, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's so unfair though, because it's, they're not ready to let it go. I mean, we had girls on our team she actually reached her 10th season, you know, know that she was ready to retire or not. Right. You know, there's people who have done quite a few years in a program and maybe people are starting to think like, damn, when are you going to let it go? I mean, there is that pressure. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I I could see that. And that's not fair to them either. You know, if they want to do it 15 damn years and let them, you know, that's up to them. And if they make it through the auditions process and so be it, but you're so right that there's like an unspoken expectation of maybe people should retire, which is just not fair. Right. Like yeah. why can't there be a shift in perspective of damn, go girl, 10 years, like keep hey, it up. Like you've been yeah. in shape for 10 years. Like back to back to back to back. Like you must be an elite performer and woman to be selected on the team every year. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it's viewed like that. No. And it's, messed up Mm -hmm. so with the identity um, piece and the loss of it because pro cheerleading like just completely consumes your life for the most part when you're on a team maybe it's your alter ego or something you know you might have a career or different things that you're balancing you know just speaking for myself like I definitely was older when I participated on the team and so I had kids I had a career and I had so many things that I was like okay I'm not going to experience the identity thing like you know because I've talked about enough with the podcast and so I just thought yeah I'm aware of what will probably happen in in retirement Mm -hmm. and I'm good with all of these things because I I decided I wanted to retire and I know who I am and I got all these things going on for myself so I'm not going to go through that Mm -hmm. lo and behold yes yes I did you know what I mean like (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know who, I mean, in my mind, he's just, I know I'm strong. I, I'm at peace with the decision. So I just thought I wasn't going to experience that. And that was a lie. I mean, right. it's so weird how, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like you identify, mm-hmm. obviously as a person, like my name is Makiba Pate. Like I know who I am, but it's just hard to put the person that you are as a pro cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just put her on a shelf like a, a Barbie doll. You know what I mean? Like, that became part of you. So it's, that's, I mean, not that you should be my therapist or anything, but that's something that would be hard to, I think, to even explain how to navigate for people to figure out who you are without it. Because you're not the same person, obviously, with this commitment of being out there and doing it, but it's still a part of you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know, maybe we think of it the wrong way that you have to like figure out who you are without being on a team, but maybe just who you are while you're on the team is still like Mm -hmm. part of you that you don't have to worry about trying to extract and pull it out and put it on a shelf and, you know, with your retirement, because it sounds to me almost like impossible to pull out who you were while you're on the team and set it aside because you've decided to retire. Like, 
I think that's where at least my brain is processing. Like I'm still very much the Makiba I was when I was on the team. You know, people know who the hell I am. Hell no. (laughs) You know, and like there's not that kind of identity thing where people can identify you in that way. But, you know, I think I was starting to struggle. Like, do I need to like start omitting that I used to do it, you know, or do mm-hmm. by telling people that I used to do it? Am I trying to hold on to some identity? And it's like, you know what? Damn it. It's just a part of my life, just like everything else that I've experienced. And I don't need to like hide that or try to separate it because now I'm no longer a part of it. Like, it's just a part of my history. Does that make sense? I mean, I guess I'm trying to yeah. figure out like, because mm-hmm. I could see that being something that a lot of people would probably struggle with. You're still who, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? That's- yeah, it's kind Help of- me, Kayla. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <Fix me. laughs> it's kind of like the, you know, the saying of like, it's time to hang up the pom-poms. Right, right. But it's like, well, why can't we keep a few strands of the pom-pom? Right. Right. <laughs> why do we gotta put it all away in the shelf? Like, right. you know, take certain pieces. Like, you know, the other day someone was like, Kayla, I love your interview outfit. I'm like, thank you. Goldrush taught me how to dress. I have style and grace because of Goldfish, you know, or just like, it's still, there's certain things, you know, like I forever know how to do my makeup and I feel like a Mac makeup artist because of Goldfish. Right, right. It's like little things. I mean, they raised me, you know, I feel like a lot of who I am is because they taught me about character and poise and it's an honor to be on that team. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of remembering of like, who taught you that? And just honoring that. Honoring that. Keep a few strands. I love that. Damn it, I'm going to put that on a thing on (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. Keep a few. But that's so beautiful because it's like, if you have that perspective about the decision of retiring, then it becomes less painful because you're not having to like, just completely put everything in a box and on a shelf and away that it's okay to keep those things with you. And, you know, do you need to be talking about it 24 seven? You know, maybe not unless you have a podcast or something. (laughs) But um, it's not like you're holding on like a breakup that you just keep Mm -hmm. on. You know what I mean? Like you're just, I mean, that's the analogy that comes to mind where it's like you broke up with your man and and you just keep on acting like y'all still together. Like that's not, (laughs) it's not that. It's just like taking, uh, you take the good parts and, and, you know, leave the bad parts and um, take it with you. Mm-hmm. that's okay mm-hmm. and that's I mean maybe it'll make it less painful of right. a separation because you yeah. don't have to like leave everything right what else did some of your participants yeah um a lot of people said they literally said I have FOMO like a fear of missing out <laughs> like Whenever, like, they would say that, I'd be like, oh, here's another person saying the same thing. And so that's the cool thing about the dissertation is literally a lot of girls responded the same way to the same question, which is really interesting. But a lot of girls have a fear of missing out when they see social media, like, pictures and videos and just, you know, the active cheerleading team at certain events or, you know, orientation or, like, you're like, oh, I remember that or, like, preseason the first game and you're not there and so a lot of girls just feel like wow like I I want to be there and I'm missing out and they're having so much fun (laughs) a lot of girls were saying like well no because I know that like where I'm at right now like I'm not I'm just not supposed to be there but they feel left out especially when they still have friends on the team 
Mm. And some friends, I guess, would be saying like, girl, you're missing out. It's hella fun. Like you should have auditioned again, which is like a freaking dagger to the heart. <laughs> heart. Don't say that shit, lady. Right. <laughs> Today you're having a bad time. <laughs> Remind them of all of the horrible things that they don't have to do anymore. <laughs> don't be saying stuff like that. Go on. It's funny that, I mean, did you hear people say things like, in terms of FOMO, because I mean, when I, even when I look and hello, I'm like hello removed from it, but it's, right. it's more of the bonding, I think, yes. that I, mm-hmm. like, it won't be the official events or games per se. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be like all the bonding that they yeah. do outside of it. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, like, you know, not like I want to hang out mm-hmm. with everybody or something like that, right. but just like, you just know that that's the right. best part of what we do are those friendships and all mm-hmm. the stuff that you do out together outside of it. Right. Because I think, you miss that just as much as you do being out on the field. Yeah. And that's like another thing that came up. A common theme was um, experienced feelings of loneliness and belongingness as a retired alumni. So that was like a really big thing because certain NFL cheer teams have a very strong alumni association. Some teams don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And then some was like, eh, you kind of have it. You kind of have to kind of like do your own gatherings outside and so a lot of the retired professional cheerleaders were advocating for an alumni program that every team should have it and they should have get togethers because you lose that sense of belongingness and that sisterhood. And that's yeah. what makes retirement that much harder. And that's what makes seeing these bonding pictures that much harder. And then now you're grieving even more. Yeah. It's tough. Interesting. Well, I definitely I'm a big advocate for that as well. You know, I think I'm still learning and researching, you know, our industry and understand that there is like an NFL cheerleaders alumni mm-hmm. association. I'll find my notes and probably post about it because I think it was one of my friends uh, pointed it out, KL, and she shared that they have like a convention every two years, I believe. Um, oh, yeah. But I mean, I'm probably going to try to go, you know, I mean, I think it'll be, you know, women networking and I don't really know how, what they do, you know, during that time. But I just think it's a great way to feel like you're part of something right. and connecting with other people. And you're so right. Some teams have really strong alumni mm-hmm. programs and the history of their program is really, you know, a huge part of, mm-hmm. it's just, that's just the way they run it. And then Mm-hmm. other teams and you know like hell our history is completely like damn near erased for Seahawks and it's really sad because mm-hmm. I mean down to like our Instagram handles are disappearing left and right like Seagal oh. McKeever is not even like up anymore it's just like we've just been wiped off the face of the earth but I mean if mm-hmm. we had like a stronger alumni right. program here I think in this area one we could celebrate what we did because the program's okay. completely different now and I think there's people who have been mourning that loss, you know what I mean? But I just think it would make a huge difference if we had a way to connect with each other more and um, not just based on which cliques that you hung out with, but just Mm -hmm. this is going to be an established support system Mm -hmm. that you can come in and out of and you can, when you really miss it and you just want to connect with people, you you can. And I just think it would be so healthy, you know, for people to have that as an option. Mm -hmm. And maybe if it's not with your team, like, my, you know how you have like that fear of like even that NFL cheerleaders alumni thing, you know, it's like one of those things of feeling lonely, like, yeah, I'm going to go, but then I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to be like the only, 
you know, I don't know that there are other Seahawks people that would necessarily be there. And what if everybody's just like, it's just a bunch of cliques and groups of people that know each other. And then you're just sitting there like the odd duck in the room. But it's really putting yourself out there so that you can connect with people again, because you do obviously all have something beautiful in common. I'm sure they run it in a way where it's hopefully not like that. I'll let y'all know. I'll, I'll go and report. I'm trying to go with you. Let's go. Let's go. I think it's actually in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, but I'll post about it because I think, I just think it's going to be a good, a good, you know, experiment. And these are women of all ages. I mean, when you think about NFL cheerleading in particular, I mean, we, we haven't been around that damn long, you know what I mean? So we have these fly ass older looking women that are just doing their thing. And I just think it would be empowering and awesome and exciting to see how they interact and connect and how and what they base it on and maybe there's like networking opportunities for people jobs yeah. that are discovered like who knows yeah. what could happen right. there but what okay. else did they um I want to make sure you get through all your notes so like okay. whatever you share I'm I mean it's I'll try to stop reacting to things but it's, <laughs> no it's good <laughs> uh let's see I have two more so okay. one of them is that a lot of retired professional cheerleaders question themselves on whether or not to audition after they have already made their decision to retire. So we know that some people, for example, post on social media and post a picture in the uniform. They're like, I'm retired. Whatever. (laughs) Or like some people will be at the banquet saying I'm retired, you know, because everyone asks at the banquet. Trying to do the math. math. (laughs) (laughs) it's so giddy it's silly but it's like that's so what we do though it's like math that's the one time i'll do it (laughs) hey it's it's like that you literally are doing the math how many spots are really available (laughs) right so yeah these a lot of girls said that they were crying that a lot of girls would drive up to auditions and then decide to not retire even though they already decided yeah, they weren't going to retire. There's like this battle in between their heads. Like, should I audition again? Should I not? It's so like when those audition workshops start rolling around, mm-hmm. you start questioning whether or not to audition. Um, and there's also this feeling of like sadness and loss and kind of you just shock when, you know, okay, the first round is done and you're not there. Yeah, yeah you can't. <laughs> it's like, Oh, can't go back first for the Seahawks when we when we used to do it like you said like some people who are on the fence and wavering would still go to the workshops ahead of time right. you know they freak people out because they're there and you're like oh, right. about, I thought they weren't coming back and they're like what are they doing in an audition workshop and, <laughs> right. and some people probably just play games and just like right. oh, show up on these chicks. Right. you know what I mean mess up their heads a little who knows but but because, you know, with our rounds of auditions, you know, the vets didn't have to come in at the beginning. So mm-hmm. there was still plenty of time to like waver. Right. All you have to do is show up for that Friday before the final audition. And so you're watching the first couple rounds happen. You, I mean, I could see that maybe people would have like flipped potentially mm-hmm. during that period as they're watching the rest of the auditions because yeah. there's still time to jump in to the right. Mm-hmm. Where it's, others you know you might not have that opportunity because once it starts you can't join in later yeah I could see that it makes a difference if you just know that it's your time but damn it if you do you think it's like if you waver then that means you're not done or is it Mm -hmm. yeah the advice 
statement that the retired professional cheerleaders are giving active cheerleaders is like, if you're wavering, you should probably just go audition again. Mm. There's still something inside of you that's pulling you to go there. And you don't want to have that wavering in retirement because that's when catastrophe hits. Right? Probably, you know? <laughs> you're at higher risk for having some psychological distress. Got it. Got it. Well, that's helpful for people. I mean, because let's be real. This is that time yeah. where all of those questions, mm-hmm. all of those thoughts are running mm-hmm. through your head. And for anybody that's listening, I mean, I just think that's, you know, excellent advice to consider is mm-hmm. that, you know, to the extent there's any doubt, then maybe that just means that you should yeah. just go through the process. You know, and then there's, I guess, like another strain of thought that mm-hmm. it's like when you're actually wavering the pro- those pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just really being like honest with yourself about it because yes. like sometimes like, you know, I'm thinking of like my friend's circle, but you know, everybody's dishing about like what they hated about it, what they loved about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think inventing and figuring out like how you really feel about participating in it. Mm-hmm. Right. If it really is more negative than good. Then maybe that is something to take into consideration yes. too, you know, because right you know, the wavering, yes, there's going to be pros and cons with anything, but like, think about those cons to really understand if the experience overall is something that's healthy for you. Mm -hmm. As part of that, I think it would be probably helpful for people to think about too, because, you know, those cons aren't really going to go away. Right. And, you know, and if you can't flip your attitude about the cons where you won't have a negative experience because of it, sometimes you bring that bad energy to being on the team. Right. You know, if you're burnt out and you're, yeah. you got a funky little attitude about, <laughs> and you're just like, you know, then maybe you should just, right. you know, think about what attitude you're bringing to the team if you do make it again. And mm-hmm. is that really the best for you or for everybody around you? You know, because I will say that it was kind of annoying with, hopefully I wasn't that kind of vet um, at five years or so, but like, you know, the, some of the vets really did have like, they were hardened or they were whatever. Right. And it's like, well, damn, if you don't like it, then why are you here? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you don't want to be one of those people. Right. Because there's also, I think people should consider the sense of dependency. Like, mm-hmm. like, are you, you know, codependent on the team? Like, do you need that team to like have a life purpose? Right. Like, does that team help your life go round and round? You know, because I've seen people also continue to audition because they would feel so lost. It's like this fear of like, well, I don't want to cross over to the other side because I don't, you know? So it's also a question that too. Yeah. Cause there are definitely people that come to mind that you know that it's their life. Yeah. If it becomes your life. Yes. Yeah. Every totally. In that way, but you can kind of think of the ones that probably keep coming back because they just don't right. autopilot and they don't know what else to right. do. Yeah, with themselves or they wouldn't know who like they would really struggle without it kind yeah. of thing and that's something like you said that should be that if you feel like that could be you you know you would just be completely lost in the sauce right. about it especially because right. they, they might be very very young you know here I am I'm just right. again so far removed and older than everybody but I just think for people who may have done it since they were 18 19 mm-hmm. done it six five six seven years in a row or whatever it might be you have so much time to like mm-hmm. live and enjoy and you're so young that you can always stop and figure out who you are without it right. and get back to it, damn it. You can totally right. take time off and 
Did you hear in your research from people who really struggled with believing that to be the case or like they retired thinking, oh, I can just come back later and then never really had that opportunity? I mean, something's coming to mind um, that used to be on the team my rookie year and Mm -hmm. then she, for whatever reason, retired or stopped. Yeah, technically, because she never came back. But I did see her out one day and she was just saying that she really wanted to come back but felt like the team was so different and not knowing anybody like basically it just became the idea of re-entering or coming out of retirement Mm -hmm. I think for people who might retire thinking oh I can always come into it later just at least to understand that sometimes when you reach that point of I want to come back and do it what you might be coming back to is completely different and just kind of being okay with that. And it probably is, it's not doing it with the same set of friends. It's not, the, okay. the squad is not the same. You're definitely older, right? Cause some time mm-hmm. is gone by. So just thinking about, yes, it's an option to come out of retirement, give it a break, live life, do you travel, whatever, and then maybe come back to it, but understand what coming back to it might mean a couple years later, seasons change, squads change, leadership changes, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. I was sad because I was actually hoping that she did come back. Uh, I think I was still, was I still cheering at the time? I can't remember. That might've been my last year, but I was like, hoping that she showed up at auditions, but right. but she didn't. And it, but it sounded like she really still wanted to dance again. So it's like, that, I don't know. That just makes me sad because I think you got to know that you should still go for it anyway. Yeah. There is definitely an age factor that came up in the research where a lot of people felt like age was playing a push factor in determining to retire because they felt like and it is like if you think about I know people can't see my hands right now but (laughs) if you think about it it's like you have the girls that continue to audition every year and they're kind of going on this continuum Uh and then you have fresh new girls coming in all the time and it's kind of like you're being essentially pushed out I mean you have to like you know have a quick turnover of like you know new faces and stuff and there's also the component of where girls felt like, well, I'm getting older and girls are getting younger on the team. Now, all of a sudden, I'm the old lady on the team and I'm dancing with some 18 They can't see my hands, but I'm raising mine. <laughs> you know, so that was interesting. I didn't think that was going to come up in mm-hmm. the research. But that's like those vets that get on the team that are just kind of like over it, you know? Yeah. It's because they're the retired girls are saying it's because they feel like, well, I'm just with a bunch of young girls and I'm too old for this or. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's for my last year. I mean, I would always tell myself I'm not trying to be like the old chick in the club who's just still, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Still holding on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is not going to be me. I'm going to gracefully take my ass and sit down somewhere. Uh-huh. That was kind of like. I'm going to be self-aware enough to know when I need to just like, you know, and sit down. But, you know, my last year, I literally, you know, our age was like, you had to be 19. I was literally double the age of the youngest girl on the team. And I was like, okay, (laughs) we're done here. This is a sign of just like, okay, you know, I don't need to break any Guinness Book of World Records here of the oldest person to ever do it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. But it was like also just knowing that people were 19. I'm 38. I'm young at heart and shit. But like, you know, there's just so many differences and where the people are in their lives. And yes, I'm a mama bear type of person. But like, Mm -hmm. but I definitely was just like, I'm not relating to 
squat in the same kind of way. And you just, there's so many social dynamics and yeah. different things that you just, you don't really want to be feeling like outside of the circle in that kind of a way. But mm-hmm. so I can see making the decision of retiring just on that basis too, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a reality. I mean, you could do it as long as the hell you want to, but yeah. those things will at some point become an, an issue, not an issue, but just a prompt to kind of make the decision to retire for sure. Or a couple of people were talking about how, like, the older you are, the more, like, real life, you know, responsibility. You know, I'm not trying to, like, downgrade, but, you know, it's just, like, think about when you're older, you got to pay rent. Some people have kids. You got to provide for kids. You got a full-ass job. You got, you know, just different responsibilities. Whereas, like, when I was younger on the team and I'm 18, I'm just going to school and, like, working out. My mom's paying the rent and the bills. <laughs> like, <laughs> you had no worries. <laughs> no worries. I'm just living my life, girl, shaking uh-huh. my pom pom. Right, right. Yeah. No, and that's real. And I, you know, sometimes I think we've talked about it on different episodes, but, you know, the impact of like having such a huge time commitment with pro cheerleading and understanding like what ends up getting sacrificed at the end of the day, you know, whether that's time with your family, time with your children. Mm-hmm. promotions at work because you're not able to invest in the same way professionally in your career because you, you know, you're balancing all of those things definitely play a part in, you know, as time moves on, you, you have to kind of put your big girl panties on to kind of really look at what's going on in your life outside of cheerleading to know if it's a good time to make an adjustment to your priorities too. And it makes it sad because it's almost like Yes, you can have it all and can balance, but some at a certain point, sometimes things get out of whack and you have to like recalibrate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So you do all of these interviews, you see these trends in the research. Mm-hmm. Just talk us through like what now? So you put it all together in, mm-hmm. in a format for your dissertation mm-hmm. and then where are you with it now and what's next or how does it end? <laughs> not like that like i've never considered after law school i was like there is no more school for me my mom was like you should get your phd and i'm like no the hell i should not i'm so i'm partially just super curious of right phd program and process but uh what where is it at in terms of your studies and i know you're about to graduate right yeah i graduate in june so Pretty much I can publish the dissertation, which is really exciting. So I plan on doing that. And um, also just being an advocate for professional cheerleaders and specifically retired professional cheerleaders on, okay, we have this data, but Mm -hmm. what are some preventative strategies or techniques that we can do to help this really overlooked population that's struggling? Mm -hmm. Um, So I plan on doing a bunch of TED Talks and you know, ideally, I'd like to go into different professional teams and talk to the current active team, which is really important and talk about retirement, because I feel like retirement isn't necessarily talked about so much. Nobody wants to think about that. I'm just trying to live my life. I'm trying to do preseason and, you know, all this stuff. And so it's like, let's talk about it just to have the awareness, you know, like, that's the number one step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just start to think about you know, okay, what may life look like in retirement? How can we make it less scary and fearful? Like, let's prep now for it. When would you recommend a talk like that to happen during season? You know, like, would it be at the end of the season chat, even though it's not like too late? 
but like you said, when you're just making the team and the orientation, you are just super excited. Nobody's going to be understanding how important it is, everything that you would possibly be sharing in that Mm -hmm. conversation because it's not relevant in their minds and timely. But at the same time, if you you wait till the end of the season Mm -hmm. to get them thinking about like all of these things, I feel like they kind of need to be thinking about it all right during the season even yeah, totally. it's mm-hmm. something that should just be in their minds mm-hmm. so you know, ex- appreciate the experience more during the season if they actually are aware of like some of the things that you're right. mentioning that would help them process retirement better I mean I'm loving that we're sharing in the podcast but oh, like yeah. how, how would you envision presenting the information so that people are able to process it and actually have it help them mm-hmm. while they're an active cheerleader Right. So I used to do sports psychology talks with Gold Rush and we would kind of have them like every, you know, month or two months, just depending on how busy we were. And I would go in and kind of do psychoeducation on certain sports psychology techniques. And we talked about how it applied to us as cheerleaders and throughout games and practice. And so I envision like going into a team and talking about retirement like the middle-ish of the season. Uh, definitely not at an orientation. Like, hey, you made the team. So let's talk about the ending now. <laughs> Keep it in mind, ladies. No, I'm kidding. No, that would be a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the middle-ish so we can just start just thinking about it and planning because it's like, okay, at the end of the season, it's kind of like, oh, shit. And then it's like, you're just fearful because you feel unprepared. Right. And I just have to say that um, I love that you've put the time, obviously hours and of research and dedication towards this, because again, like you said, it's an overlooked population. And I just, when I think of, you know, the Seattle Seahawks organization and the, the amount of resources that they try to provide our guys, like mm-hmm. the players, um, you know, they are giving them so many tools to prepare mm-hmm. them for life after football. Right. And I think it's an awesome thing. I think we're deserving of something similar too, in the sense right. that, like, you know, like they have like partnered with companies for like internships or um, ways that the guys can, you know, find a job, after, right. like seeing different career paths that they could take things that, you know, pick up from whatever they were studying in college and, mm-hmm. you know, and just talking about the change that they'll experience when they stop playing football. And I just think we deserve that kind of care as well and time and and teaching because it really is just Mm -hmm. learning about what's Mm -hmm. next and nobody talks about it like you said and I just think you sharing your research and having that as a resource for teams would be amazing I hope that anybody listening who's a director would consider that you know what I mean because Mm -hmm. I think it will help it'll just help your team post being part of your actual team like it'll just make them Mm -hmm. better at processing everything that they're going to go through. Cause it's not, it's not that it's an awful, horrible boogeyman kind of a thing, retirement, post-retirement, but it can have some right, some down. I mean, I don't know how dark it got with your people that you were talking to, but I just think it can really, it can be difficult. Let's just say yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. And it doesn't necessarily have to be as difficult or like you said, as scary mm-hmm. if they have some information that they can work with. Great. Well, I'm so thankful that you were able to share um, your research with us. I mean, I just think, you know, for all of our listeners, we're just, you know, trying to provide as many stories and just dope information as possible to everybody who's listening. And I just thought, why not kick off season five with 
this conversation because of how timely it is with, you know, where we are in the season right now. And so for everybody who's listening, if you would like to, you know, reach out and share your thoughts about what you're struggling with and processing about retirement, you can hit us up on Instagram or email or whatever. And there are some people on Twitter. So yay to people on Twitter (laughs) that are interacting. Um, But I just think we can have our own community, right? Of uh, support for each other. And so um, if you want to share, whether it's anonymously or not, what you're going through or what you're struggling with, or you just want to talk it out, maybe somebody who's on the outside, holler, because I just think it's a healthy conversation to have. And, you know, you can have that conversation with people who aren't part of this life. And they may give you some good or bad information. Like if all they hear you is complain about what you experience while you're on the team, they're probably telling you, well, just quit, shit, retire, let it go. And that can be great. But then you're like, wait a minute, you know, you don't know the good part. So uh, we get it. So like, uh, if you need to, if you want to reach out, the door is wide the hell open. So we end, Kayla, every episode with either drop it like it's hot or locker talk and you started out talking about Super Bowl and we know that you went to the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a chance to decide if you have a locker talk story for the ending about your Super Bowl experience or oh. I have a feeling you have one or two. <laughs> no pressure. Give us a locker talk. <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing Shaq on this like he was in the stands uh-huh. um, and I remember uh we were making eye contact in the entire game he was just making faces at me like all his like iconic faces I don't know if you see I think it's called like a gif or a gif or whatever uh-huh. yeah 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 his, like all his little funny faces like he was making those faces at me and so it was just cool like we got to talk on the field which was like awesome and he's just oh so great and um I saw like Idris Elba. And no, Elba. okay, stop right there. What? <laughs> okay, you I guys, mean- listeners, <laughs> listen. He looks so good in person. Oh my girl! He, listen to me. I just started watching The Wire again for some strange ass reason. I just was like, I want to go back in time. Um, I lived in Baltimore for a year. I started watching The Wire, and all I'm doing is drooling over him all over again. He's anyway. Go ahead, tell me everything. He's so hot. <laughs> He's wearing those like really nice tight thermal sweaters. Oh, the I just hug you! Oh my god! Right. I was like, oh my god! I, I was having hot flashes. You Girl, know? he looks real good, and I didn't even know he had an accent at the time. Yes, girl. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he looks, that was like the highlight of my time, and then. For the locker room, I don't know if people know this, but we actually shared the locker room with the Baltimore Ravens cheerleaders. Oh, we did that the Patriots one. <laughs> what a, a curtain. It was very A curtain, yes. Very awful. Uh, that damn curtain, because you know what happened when we lost? It was just like you, the confetti. They actually like, they have the confetti on the side. Like, they don't know like what colors to put in. They're kind of like ready. Yeah. So I started that scene that fucking purple going <laughs> so I was like oh my, oh my god yeah like we went back to the locker room and the Ravens trailers just come and they're like yeah and they're like celebrating and we're all like devastated and crying so like, oh my god that damn curtain I mean we got out we got out as fast as we could but it just was like rubbing it in 
No, my director, listen, when we lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots in the most horrible way possible, that was the first thing that she freaking yelled on the sidelines. Hurry, basically hurry the F up, not in those words, yeah. but hurry yeah. up, get to that locker room and so we can get the hell out because yeah. we shared it and it was, yeah. we did not want to be in. Now, when we won, we did the whole victory. I mean, we took our sweet ass time. We were out there forever, it seems, you know what I mean? But like, she was just like, under no certain terms wanted to be up in that locker room by the, t- the time they came back there. I would have probably like, that wouldn't have been good. That would not have been good. Horrible. Oh. Absolutely horrid. <laughs> did you have a um, Super Bowl party? Yes, we did. We yeah. had, um, it was Snoop Dogg. Okay. He's just so- wonderful too. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. <laughs> he made me forget we lost because it was so much fun. I, know. I, don't know. I felt like happy and fun. Yes. Okay. I know he has so many cool. So- I mean, like oh. I know his songs, and when he's up there performing, you're like, oh, I know that one, and it was just it's dope. Yeah, but- we still lost, but until so it wasn't amazing, but right. it does, you know, help to have a party. Did you um have any fun appearances that you did at Super Bowl that would come to mind? Um, Jackie, we didn't have that many. It's so interesting because I'm, you know, watching the girls go through the Super Bowl now, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, like I'm retired, right? So I like, I totally get the fear of missing out, you know? It's like, yeah. It's oh, like, that's true. Yeah. yeah it's like, I know what that's like, but I'm also like, dang, you guys are doing like all this and this. Like, I didn't get to do that. Or, especially because they were in Miami, right? I felt like it was just, they were all over the place on all kinds of TV shows, not just the Good Morning America ish circuit. I felt like they were everywhere this year. Yes. I know. And and then I was thinking too, like, wow, the times are just so drastically different back from 2012 to now. There's just more social media and. Uh, you know, like the pictures that you know the girls are posing because I have them on social media. I was like, "Damn, I don't even think I had like like Instagram wasn't a thing back then." You know, it wasn't. yeah, so, we like, didn't have our own seat. We weren't <laughs> allowed to post any girl. Yes, go ahead. Just I'm just like, dang, like I'm over here like struggling trying to find Super Bowl pictures to post, and mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I really didn't get to capture my experience as much because social media was not that big. Yep. That sucks. Again, like I I forget who I was talking to about, like if there was a real way to like document what you do in a way that's meaningful, you know, especially like when they're yanking your dang on Instagram handles (laughs) off the face of the earth. Luckily I still have everything that I would have posted, but it's definitely something that, you know, it makes it sad to think that you could have maybe documented things a little differently. Mm -hmm. Darn it. With your choreography, yeah. I think it kind of came up that you may have had your choreography performed. Yeah. <laughs> can you can you end with that note? That is so cool. Yeah. So Oscar and I uh, choreographed a routine for for Nana's Gold Rush, and um, yeah, they it was just on TV, and you know, my best friend sent it to me. She's like, "Isn't this your choreo?" I'm like, "Oh my god, it is!" Like, I was so. <laughs> So cool. Yeah. What song I, was it to? It was originally to Sweetie, my type, but they changed it to uh, Lil John Get Low. Probably just something more hype. Yeah. Which is yeah. dope, you know? I'm like, wow, you guys are dancing to that. That's cool. So yeah, it was just, it was cool. It looked awesome. And, and that was my first time 
seeing my choreo on TV. TV. Yeah. It was like a dream come true and like a full circle moment. It, was, it just felt good to be excited for the Gold Rush girls and yeah. seeing yeah. them perform. It was cool. That's awesome. Well, Kayla, thank you so much. I mean, this was a wonderful in-depth discussion of something that I think at some point everybody's going to be dealing with, you know, and just thank you for doing the work, right? Because like nobody, it's not like somebody was going to be like, cheerleaders are so interesting. Like I'm going to focus on them and talk about, you know what I mean? Like nobody from the outside was going to do it. So I just applaud you for kind of going against the grain and picking something that you were passionate about as opposed to not and just shedding light on the issues that we face. And you realize that there's a lot of similarities. So I think what guys Mm-hmm. go through not even good, just men but just professional athletes in general go through as they're facing retirement and so I just think it just deserves some attention and I just thank you for doing the work because clearly it's a lot and you're doing it while you're going through it I just think you're like a superwoman so thank you yes thank you so I'll give you like the link to my dissertation when it's published but there's awesome. a really cool history section that talks Talks about how professional cheerleading kind of developed in the NFL, who was the first team to wear the white boots and uh-huh. how that all started. Cool. So we a need a history lesson. That's the one thing that I think um, I tweeted some article, but it was like, there's just, there's a lot of, I think, information if you really know the history of cheerleading, that's like, huh, because, you know, it's surprising in some ways, but it's, it needs to be documented. There's a few books out there and all of that, but like, that'll be great. Please do share the link. I will definitely post it as well. And I just, I'm super excited. Thank you for joining as a guest co-host. It's just been great having you. So thank you so much. That wraps the first episode of season five, everybody. So excited. There will be some interesting things going on this season you do not want to miss out. Tell your friends to catch up on everything that we've published before, but buckle up buttercup. Cause this season is going to be pretty damn amazing. <laughs> Thanks Kayla. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the pro cheerleading podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at pro cheerleading podcast on Instagram at pro cheer podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook on YouTube, and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.